hello, and welcome to this episode of Ernest Contained. We greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus, and we're so thankful that you are here with us. Today, we are going to discuss God. So, generically, we could ask, what is God? Or what, what does it mean to be God? What is there different about God than us? Can we know God? Can, can we know Him specifically, or can we only know about Him? Is, is there specifically a God, or does every individual kind of have their own idea about what God is and what God is not? So, God itself, the word God, is not a name. It's simply a word of classification or identification uh, of a being or, or, or of an entity. So you can look at God and you can look at man. God is a spiritual being and man is a human being, right? But what, is it, what does God mean? What does it mean to be God? Well, why is this important? The Bible itself would tell us that, that every individual knows that there is a God. Now, you may be wondering, well, what about the atheist? Or what about the agnostic? Or what about different individuals that believe in different gods? Well, the Bible says in Romans 1, uh, verse 20 and 21, For the invisible things of him, being God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse being mankind, being us. We are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Paul here, he he calls those who do not acknowledge God. He attributes them and that activity or that action as foolishness. Now, Paul, he's, he's not just speaking out of spite, and he's not just insulting individuals, but he is writing by inspiration of the Spirit. Paul, he's calling these men who deny God fools. Why? Well, he's only echoing what the Bible has already said. For Psalm 53 and 1 says that the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. So the Bible doesn't just use the word fool very flippantly. It doesn't just call those who disagree or those who deny God fools to poke fun of or to insult. But the Bible is saying that it is foolish to deny God because you're attempting to live your life and to build your life on your own standard and in your own power and in your own strength. That is what is foolish. The Bible would go on to say in Proverbs 1 and 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in Proverbs 9 and verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So in order to really live the life that we ought to live, and to lay the foundation in order to build the structure of our life, we have to begin with God. We, we cannot do it without God. To put it very simply, we can't know our purpose within ourselves. Only the Creator has 
chosen and designed things for a purpose. So only through the Creator can we know the meaning to things. So the Bible, it follows this example that our beginning, the start of a life of success or the start of a ministry that is successful or the start of purpose in anything begins with the knowledge of God. And that is what theology is. It is the study of God. The Bible, it follows its own pattern beginning in Genesis 1 and 1 by saying, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So going back to the discussion of who is God or or what is God, God is a supernatural being. He's not of the same essence or he's not of the same similitude as man. So when we when we just look at the, the concept of God and what would what could be considered God is it's entirely other than mankind. God in all cultures has always been seen as supernatural, superhuman. And this word super doesn't just mean powerful, but the super the word super means above or beyond, outside of. So God is supernatural. He is above or outside of the natural. He is superhuman. He's not a very great or unique human, but but he is above humanity. He is outside of humanity. But how can we know God? Is God knowable? Following the pattern of the Bible, we would see yes. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The knowledge of the holy Right, the understanding who he is, understanding um, what he likes, what he dislikes, what he has to say, what is God's opinion on life, what is his instruction, does he have instruction? There's two ways that that we, all of mankind, can know God. The first way is generally, and this is what Romans one uh, is talking about. This general, this natural way of just knowing that there is a God, but there's also the sweet joy of specifically knowing who he is. So really what this is, is it's a difference between knowing there is a God and actually personally knowing God, knowing who he is, knowing of versus knowing who he is. But the beautiful, the beautiful thing is, is that God does not want us just to stay at this general understanding of who he is. But he wants us to seek for him and to to know him uh, intimately, to know him personally. The beautiful thing is, is that we cannot know who he is directly and what he's like without first knowing that he is. But the very dangerous thing is that all the world would attribute a God, whether they would admit it or not. But all the world does not know who he really is. So first, we're going to look at naturally. We're going to look at through creation. Who is God? What what does it tell us about God? We can't, through creation, know his name or know his decrees or know his essence. But we can know what he is like because of how he is created. So just consider, consider the thought. If you are walking through a museum and you see a beautifully painted picture with such depth and such uh, blending of the colors and just a just a masterpiece of art you would see this painting and you would not think that it just happened or it grew that way or it evolved that way but you would know 
there is a painter behind that painting. There is one who designed and put forth the effort for that painting. The same thing with a house. You, you would not see a house or a structure, a building of any kind. And look at this building and think, wow, it's amazing how time and chance have, have formed this structure that we can now inhabit to conduct business or to build a family or anything like that. Not at all. You, you would know that behind the building, there is an architect, there is a carpenter, there is a designer, someone who has put it together and, and put in the effort to make it happen, make it exist, to build the structure. Same thing with creation. When we really examine and look broadly over the natural world and just the creative order, we see that there is creative order. So to following the same principles of the painting and the painter and the, the house and the the architect. We would see that with creation, there has to be a creator. So consider these these facts. Science and astronomy have discovered this, that, that if the rotation of the earth took longer than 24 hours, temperature differences would be too great between day and night. And if the rotation period were any shorter, atmospheric wind velocities would be too great. If the rotation of the earth was any different, life couldn't exist on earth. Not just that, but the degree of the tilt of the earth is just right. If it was any different, surface temperatures would be too extreme on the earth for life. But not just that, if if oxygen, which comprises 20%, 21% of our atmosphere, if it was 25%, fires would erupt spontaneously. And if it were 15%, humans would suffocate. Life would not be possible upon earth. And if the interaction between the moon and the earth were, were any different, there would be great effects. Any greater would cause the ties of the ocean affecting the atmosphere or rotational period to be too severe. But if it were any less, the changes would cause uh, climatic instability. Life wouldn't be possible. So just in these examples, we, we not only see the creator who knew what he was doing, but that it was done with such intention that life may flourish and develop. But not just that. When we look at biology and uh, sociology, and we look at just the structure of society and what an individual person really needs to develop, we see that when a man and a woman come together in love and intention and they create a family, that it is the best environment for a child to grow in. Not only is it that with a man and a woman can children exist and that children are born, but in that in that designed structure of this husband and wife, this father and mother, this household unit, do the children receive everything they need to develop and to grow up successfully in life. We see that at the root, to, to put it another way, at the root of every society that has ever existed in the history of mankind, the only way they could have existed is because of the family. It may not have been a perfect family unit, but there is no way that any society could have existed without a man and a woman, a father and a mother. This creator, he, he designed it so that that which a child would need and that would develop the strongest societies is found in this initial first structure 
of the family. But if we take a moment and, and we look in the Bible and we, we take a moment to, to view over the perspective of God in Genesis 1 of the creation of the earth, what does this tell us about the Creator? Because no one was at creation. No one viewed it with their own eyes. But God gave us a glimpse in His Word. So in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We see here that God, the Creator, He is entirely outside of creation. And He is the first cause of all that is. It was He who was dependent on nobody, who was in need of nothing, who caused all existence to come into being. He was the initiator of the beginning, the one who established time to begin. He didn't depend on anything else or anyone else. It was him alone who did it. In verse 2, we see that he makes the earth a blank canvas, and it's for him to, to build and develop. And he is directly involved with what purpose? To, to bring destruction or to, to, bring, to wreak havoc. Not at all. No, he's there to bring order to that which is without form and void. And we see just a glimpse of his power for when he speaks, it happens. He doesn't have to struggle with something. He doesn't have to wrestle with anything. He doesn't have to bargain for something to happen. But he speaks, let there be light. And there was light. All of creation is accomplished by his word, by his voice. He exerts no energy to create all of existence. And so it is, we, we see this beautiful structure that we carry on until this day, a seven-day week. Well, when we really think about God, the Creator, He who knows no limits, He who has no exhaust to His power, if He wanted to, and He very much so could have, but He could have created everything in one moment. In It could have taken Him truly not even a second in the twinkling of an eye, he could have created all that there was. But no, he, he decided to spread out his work and to put structure to it. So six days does he spend creating. He does everything deliberately with an order and with a structure. And he does not let the day in. He does not cease his work until he sees that it is good. So we see that in the structure of creation, Day two cannot begin without the end of day one. And day one could not end without the Lord seeing that it is good. So we see that the creator, the master, he's a God of all power. He's a God of all wisdom. He's a God of all understanding. He knows how to do things. And everything he does, he does well. There's nothing that he has to, to fix at the end of the day. He speaks and it is done essentially. And it is done perfectly as it ought to be. He doesn't have to repeat himself to fix a mistake. We see that in him. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan. He's not sporadic. He's not reckless. He's not, he's not dependent on anything. But all of creation responded to him because it was uh, subjected to how he wanted it. This was just a glimpse in a, a natural view of the Creator who the Creator is, what is, what has creation testified about its Creator. We thank you for joining us on this episode of Ernest Contend, and we are thankful 
that you took the time to be with us. We pray that this was beneficial and this was encouraging to you and that this will aid you in your study and in your pursuit to know one true God, to have the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy. God bless in Jesus' name.